Welcome to the Word Ministry of Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We trust that the following message will be a blessing. Open up your hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you through the preaching and teaching of one of God's choice servants. Hi, everyone. It's good to be together again, to share the word again with you. I'm so glad for this opportunity and I hope that it can bless you. And I so look forward to when we can be together again. Last time I shared, I got to share about uh, when we don't measure up. We read from Ephesians where we are urged as individuals and as a church to grow, to mature to the full measure of Christ, who is the head. We shared how the number one important thing we need to know and to follow in our journey with Christ is to not give up, is to never give up. And hopefully we lay that foundation and to encourage each other um, as the days may be hard, to encourage each other to not give up. So today I want to share about the four must-haves to grow in Christ. And I'm going to share from Colossians 2, verse 6 and 7 first. It says, therefore, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So we understand that people can receive Christ in their lives and often even come to church regularly but stay spiritually stunted from lack of that transformative work of Christ which cannot be cultivated without these next four key factors that I'm going to be sharing. So the first key factor that we need in order to grow in Christ is prayer. So we understand that God sent Jesus to die in our place so we can be restored to a relationship with God where there is no communication, no intimacy, no connection. There is no relationship. From the moment we receive Christ, we have the advantage to be in unhindered communication. We have access to his presence, his throne of grace and mercy. Without fear, without hesitation, without judgment, we are able to communicate one-on-one -on -one with God. That is so awesome. That is so amazing. And, and we, we want to take advantage of that. We no longer have to be afraid. There's no division between us and God. We can come freely into his presence. And the greatest way we communicate with God is in prayer. I don't have time to teach on all the different types of prayer. I do a whole series on this, and hopefully sometime in the future I'll be able to get uh, that series filmed. But I can say this, that we just need to begin somewhere. You cannot grow as a Christian without developing a prayer life. You have access, but just because you have access doesn't mean you're taking advantage of that. Um, and, and don't be too busy, but learn to give God time daily and bring everything before him in prayer. This is so important. Philippians 4 verse 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, 
present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And 1 Timothy 2.1 says, I urge them, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live quiet and peaceable lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good, and it pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So we need to learn how to pray. And we learn how to pray by simply one thing, starting to pray. I remember when I first began to pray, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to pray, but I would just put myself away in my room in some quiet space and I would just do it the best I can. And the more I began to do it and the more I became consistent with it, the more I learned how to pray. And then I would study things and read things that also would help me to pray. And then even being around other people that pray teaches you how to pray. I remember the first time I had to pray out loud. I was terrified. I had just come to Christ. We had a small group of all of my friends. We were young um, uh, teenagers and in our early 20s. And so we were sitting around on this rug and uh, someone would always teach us and share the word with us. So this day, uh, someone suggested, okay, let's all pray. So we're going to go around in a circle and everyone's going to get a turn to pray. And I don't remember much what everyone else prayed. All I remember was that I was sweating bullets, getting so nervous as it got closer and closer to me, so afraid, so terrified of praying out loud. But when it got to my turn, I did. I prayed. It felt so freeing. It felt so good. And from that point on, I, I began to feel the freedom to pray together with people. So it's, it may be a little scary when you first do it, but once you begin to do it, it is just so wonderful. So I encourage you to pray by yourself, pray with others, and learn how to develop a prayer life. We have to pray on our own with our families and corporately with the church. Some of us are so used to that supercharge we get um, during worship, and I shared this, that that, that helps us we're, when we're together collectively. Uh, we need people to pray for us. But this is a good time now, as many of us are home and on our own and spending more time alone, to use some of that time to seek God. Use some of that time to pray on our own. Use some of that time to develop our own prayer life. Um, use some of that time to get close and, and intimate with God ourselves. Um, I want to uh, another thing that's good to do is read books on prayer and, and, and learn teachings and, and just begin the practice of it. I want to read something I read in a book recently that I really liked. It said, the world is full of, it's a book on prayer by Kim Butt, and it says, the world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you are dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. And then this author goes on to kind of reword the Our Father. And, and it's interesting because the Our Father was never meant to be prayed as a repetitive prayer, but it was a template Jesus gave us to, to teach us how to pray, to teach us how to come to God. And, and so when we have a template, it's not meant to repeat, but it's meant to guide us into how to pray. And we begin to put those words in our own. We begin to learn how to pray using that template. And so they actually changed, this author changed the template up a little. And, and I'll read it. It says, Our Father in heaven, 
reveal who you are, set the world right, do what's best as above, so below. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're a blazing beauty. Yes, yes, yes. So I encourage you as you um, read the Lord's Prayer to learn how to pray, to learn how to use all those components in your prayer time and just learn how to begin to get close to God. It will work. You will form a relationship and a, a bond and that will carry you through and cause you to grow. So number one to grow is to develop a prayer life. Many people were in church for years and still have never developed a prayer life. So do it. Use this time to do it. The second thing we need in order to grow is to know the word. Ephesians 4, uh, verse 14, actually verse 11, um, which we read last time I shared, says he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God and mature to the full measure of the statue of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed around by every wind of doctrine, by every teaching and clever cunning of men in their deceitfulness. So here we understand that there is the possibility for us to be led astray. There is the possibility for us to follow wrong teachings or wrong doctrines, to not know the truth. That's why it's so important that we know the word. For one, we need to read the word ourselves. It was when I first gave my life to Christ that I began to read the Bible. And I was shocked at the things I began to learn that I had not been taught, even though I had gone to a, a religious school, I, these are things I did not know and it helped me to understand what was right, what was wrong. And so it's so important that we read the Bible ourselves, get used to it, and that we also sit under the teaching of those that have studied it, of those that we can trust to unfold more and more to us. So we need the ministry of those that God has called into these offices to bring soundness and teaching so that we're not following the wrong doctrine. And then not to be afraid because as we read the word and as we seek God, he will keep us us on the right path. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus um, was in the desert and he was tempted of the devil, it said, and he was hungry and the devil was trying to tempt him. And the devil said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. But Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. It is the word of God that sustains our life. We need it to live. This word gives us guidance, insight, instruction, protection, sound doctrine, encouragement, hope. And it feeds our soul in a way that restores us and builds us. And it's not meant to just have a 30-minute message on Sundays. But it's, and it's not a coincidence that Jesus compared it to daily food. We need to read the word, to have it in us on a daily basis so that we can be strengthened, so that we can be fed, so that we will be able to, to have this life-sustaining food in us. Um, it, so we can read, uh, we need to study the Word every chance we can. 2 Timothy 2, verse 15 through 17, uh, Paul was talking to Timothy, and it says, from infancy, you have known the scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. 
All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God or the child of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We need to not only study this word on our own, but we need to teach it to our children. Timothy knew the word of God and equipped him for everything in life and it equipped him for what God called him to do because his mother and his grandmother had taught him uh, and trained him in the word. And it's interesting that it mentions his mother and grandmother. So those, those of us that uh, have fallen into the situation where we're single parents, single moms, let me tell you something. My pastor that, that raised us and trained us was one of, oh, I don't know how many children, anywhere from seven to 12, many, many children. Their father had abandoned them. He was raised by his mom and his blind aunt. He always told us these stories. And, and every one of those children went into amazing ministries, missionaries, pastors, leaders, um, and all of them knew the word of God from this one woman who lived through the depression, who not only raised her children, but took other people into her home. So let me tell you something, there's nothing that will hold you back. And all of us as parents need to train our children in the word. Fathers, mothers, aunts, uncles, grandparents, use every opportunity you can to teach our young ones the word of God. In fact, the, the Bible says in Leviticus, it taught them to have the word on their doorpost, to look at it and, and, and refer to it throughout the day. So it's not just meant to be a Sunday thing, but it's meant to be a continuous thing. Find patterns, find ways that you can even just read little bits of scripture here or there. Find times to read more scriptures. Make sure you're uh, availing the opportunity of sitting under Bible teachings and devotionals of others that have studied and know the word that can help you to understand it even better. So we need to read it together in our homes, train our children. It's a weapon. It's referred to as a sword, not against people, but against the enemy, against the devil. Jesus used the word of God to resist temptation when the devil tried to play with his mind and tried to play with uh, his physical weariness. The Bible, I, I love this about the Bible. The Bible gives us instruction for both doctrine and solid theology, but also just simply how to live our lives in every way we can think of. This is our instruction manual. It's not just about getting the right theology, which is important for the sake of us understanding the basis of our salvation and, and how to come to God and, and know who we are in him, but it teaches us how to live our lives in a way that it will be well with us because God desires for it to be well with us. It's the devil that tries to trick us and deceive us into thinking that God just wants to ruin our fun, that if we follow his ways, that, that it's just going to keep us bored and unhappy. But it's really quite the opposite. It teaches us everything. The Bible teaches us everything from nutrition to parenting to relationships, marriages to mental health and emotional health to work ethics to economics to financial wealth, how to care for the poor, how to live in community and so much more. And so when we begin to read this book, we begin to learn how to live our lives in a way that it will go well with us as we follow it. 
So we need to study and learn this book. We need to know doctrine and we need to know how to live our everyday life. This is our instruction manual for us, for our children and for our grandchildren. The third thing I wanna share that is so important for us to grow as Christians is community. So Christianity is not an individual experience. Your salvation starts off as an individual experience. You're not, you're not saved because your parents are, because you go to church. It's an individual experience of salvation. Everybody is born into this place of, of um, original sin, of, of what was handed to us from Adam and Eve. And so we all have to have that place where we can receive the gift of God, his salvation for ourselves personally and individually. Each person needs to receive salvation personally, individually. But then in order to grow and in order to, to fulfill the fullness of God, you need to be in fellowship, in community with other Christians, with other believers, with those that are like-minded. We need each other to grow to, to the full measure of Christ. We learned in last week's message is, um, also as we read in Corinthians 12 and 13, um, and first I'm going to read actually Ephesians 4, 25 through 27, and it says, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin and do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil a foothold. So we need to know that we have to relate together as a community, as a church. Um, and, and we read in Corinthians that there are different gifts, but the same spirit. So God gave each person different gifts and all these gifts working together make up the ministry of Jesus, him being the head. So it says there are different gifts, same spirit, different ministries, the same Lord, different ways of working, the same God. Now to each, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. So the body is a unit, though it's composed of many parts. And although its parts are many, they all form one body. So it is with Christ. For the body does not consist of one part, but many. In fact, God has arranged the members of the body, every one of them according to his design. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And so God has composed the body and has given greater honor to parts that lacked it, lacked it that there should be no division but that its members should have mutual concern for one another. And this is so important for us as community. If one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honored, every part rejoices. So now you are the body of Christ and each of you a member of it. And if, if in the church God has appointed apostles, prophets, teachers, workers of miracles, those with gifts of healing, helping, administration, and various tongues, are all the same? Are all apostles or prophets or teachers or work miracles? Or do all um, speak in tongues and interpret it, but eagerly desire the greater gifts? So I love how our church looks out for each other. I love having community. I love how even during this time of, of COVID, we've, we've been able to deliver meals to our elderly, been able to make sure and connect with everyone, trying to see that everyone's okay, praying for each other. And if someone has a need, not just praying, but going out to do something to meet that need. So that's what God has called us to do. That is what makes us special. But then besides just those those natural needs, in order for us to grow spiritually, we need the compilation of the gifts of the Spirit all together. So I, in myself, 
cannot grow. I need your gifts, you need my gifts, and together we make up the body of Christ in more than one ways. And so we understand that um, those gifts are important. And then, of course, it was all culminated in 1 Corinthians 13, where even though the gifts are so important and emphasized, that Paul made it very clear that what trumps all of it is love, where he said, if I speak in tongues of men and angels but don't have love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I, don't, and I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to be burned that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So Paul is not diminishing the importance of the gifts. It's not one or the other, but he's saying these gifts are important and we need them to grow, but make sure that what overrides, that what oversees, what covers all of this is love. For it's in that place that not only we will grow uh, effectively, we will grow without being dysfunctional as a church, but we will also be a witness and a light to others that will see our love because he said you'll know they're Christians by their love. Which brings us into the next point. Um, in order for us to grow and mature in Christ, we need to be a witness. And I'm going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we may become the righteousness of God. So we understand that even though God was reconciling the world to himself, the message of reconciliation needs to get out. And the message gets out through us. Those of us that know Christ know that we heard the message somewhere somehow, and that's what brought us to Christ. And so we too need to be sharing this message and, and letting this message be known through our lives. You will never grow as you should if you are not reproducing. Life brings forth life. It is one of the most exhilarating experiences to lead someone to Christ. If you have not yet done it, you have no idea what you are missing. And as much as we love and need community in our churches, it's not meant to be an exclusive club. Many churches get stuck there. Even the early church struggled with that. And many just love to be with their own kind, even as the early church struggled with that as well. They just like their churches to be with fellow Jews. We all need to be an inclusive community, welcoming others to come and learn of Christ. We don't ask them to fix up their lives first. We don't ask them to come into our uh, form of culture and, and how we live. We're all different cultures. We do things differently, but we welcome them to come and to experience the goodness of 
of God. As Romans 2, 4 says, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Many uh, don't want people to enter their church doors unless they're looking right, unless they're acting right. And that is just so wrong. And, and I remember as a young Christian, how I experienced that. I, I came to Christ during the time of the the Jesus movement. It was the last large revival and we were all hippies and many people didn't like how we looked, didn't like how we dressed, didn't like how we were. And I remember when we came to this church and we came in droves that many of the elders of the church complained to the pastor telling him, tell them to, to change how they dress, tell them to be different um, and, and, and don't let them meet on their own and pray because they don't know what to do. And and, and I was so appreciative of our pastor because he said, I'm just glad they're here. I'm not going to tell them to change a thing. God is concerned what's on the inside and they are experiencing God and he is welcoming them. I am not going to turn them away. If God wants to work and change anything in their lives, then he will do that in his good time. So I thank God for the pastor that I had that welcomed so many of us and so many of my friends that that came to Christ at that time are in ministry and are doing wonderful thing, things for the Lord. And another thing we need to understand is that it takes a little bit of courage to share our faith, um, whether it be people we know or people we don't know. And so we need to kill the rabbit. We need to not let fear or cowardice stop us. We have to step out and have some conversations. You never know what someone's response will be. The girl that first shared the gospel with me was not wanting to. She was afraid of me. And, and the more she prayed, God kept showing her, you need to talk to Joyce. And she finally got up the courage and the nerve. Thank God to talk to me and was shocked when I said, hey, I want to go to church with you. And one thing led to another and here I am. So, so be open to just share with someone. Ask them if you could pray for them. That's a great opening. You know someone has any kind of struggle or anything. People love to have someone pray for them. And so ask if you can pray for them. Pray for them right there. Let them feel the presence of God. My friend did that too. She stopped right then and there, not only talked to me, but prayed. And I felt the presence of God as she prayed. And that's what made me realize this is, this is something real. This is something I want. So this isn't just for your friends. It's for everyone, and it's your obligation and my obligation to everyone, even our enemies. Romans 12, 20 says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. You know how we really need to get this right. We need to understand that we are witnesses to those we like and those we don't like, to those we agree with and those that we don't agree with. And we can uh, hold our values, but but not uh, harass and, and, and speak terribly and maliciously of those that don't hold our values and not and not uh, be harsh or mean with them. Those are the people that you need to, by your love for them, win them over. Jesus died for them. And I'll never forget an experience um, right after my husband and I got married. We had uh, gotten this new apartment. And so we were on the, the top floor was three, three levels, a six-family building. And so there was this lady that lived under us, and she was an interesting lady, um, a little, how, how would you say, uh, I can't think of the word, um, but, but different, um, unique. And 
she used to think that every time we did something, we were doing it on purpose. So if we moved a piece of furniture, she thought we were trying to annoy her. If we moved a chair, we couldn't even have people over to eat because if we moved anything, she would start to yell out the window. She would bang a broom um, up on her ceiling. Um, she would open her door every time we were going down the stairs and curse at us. And so I remember that, you know, I know that this was someone God loved and someone that needed Christ in their life. And so instead of being angry and instead of retaliating, um, I decided one day to bake her a cake. And so I did. I baked her a cake. I knocked on the door. And, and I said, here, you know, I baked this. I just wanted to give it to you. And she was so shocked. Um, from that day on, she became like our best friend. She came up to my apartment and helped me furnish it, uh, would bring up pictures to hang on the walls. We, we were really poor when we started off. We had nothing. Um, so she would do whatever she could. When we moved out of that apartment, she would actually come to our new apartment, to the small groups that we started, the Bible studies and prayer meetings. And it was just, it just really spoke to me and showed me how important our responses are to people because we may be their only connection to Christ. So let's remember that this is not just for our friends and family, but it's for our enemies. And that may make us think about how we act towards people. It certainly has made me think of that many times over the years. So in closing, I just want to again share with you these four key ingredients to grow as a Christian. One is prayer. Second is the word, learning the word. The third is having community with other Christians. And of course, in that context, it's so important that we learn how to get past offenses, how to get past struggles. You know, the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. You know, as one brother rubs against another, and sometimes, you know, we have struggles even with each other, and we need to learn to work through our struggles the same way we do in families. We work through our struggles. As a church, we need to work through our struggles, learn to talk. Matthew 18 says, if you have offense, if you bring your gift to the altar and you're offended at someone, leave your gift there before you even come to God and go and make it right. So we need to learn how to make things right, how to understand and be understood, how to communicate with each other so that we stay connected strong, so that we grow in love, so that those gifts that God has given us for each other can continue to work. And lastly, we want to be a witness. We want to share the gospel. We want to share the message every chance we can, every chance we can share our YouTube station with others, invite others onto our prayer meetings. I know of many that have just invited others to come and to hear and to experience what we are experiencing. You never know whose lives you may, you may be touching, who God's working on, whose heart God is working on that you will touch. So these four things, prayer, the word, community, and being a witness, those things we need to grow as a Christian so that we can grow together, that we can accomplish the things that God has called us to so that we can be fulfilled in our own life, have that sense of fulfillment, and also carry out the assignment that God has given us. So let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for giving us 
so many things in our hands that we have Bibles when many in other countries cannot even get their hands on a Bible. We hear about stories where they, they memorize scriptures, they get a written scripture and they have to eat it before it's taken from them and they memorize it and they probably know more scriptures than we do have Bibles sitting on our tables. Help us, God, to know your word, to learn your word. God, to not take it for granted. Help us to take that time we need to pray. Help us to be faithful, God, to be in community, to look out not just for our own needs but for others' needs. And help us, God, to continue to look for those opportunities to share your message of hope and of salvation and love with others, with those around us, both friends and foe. And we thank you, God, that as we do these things, you are with us. As we do these things, we will continue to grow in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It was a blessing being with you. We hope you'll continue to join us. I will, uh, I'm excited for some of the gatherings we'll be able to have and for when we get to meet in person again. I'll probably be in Seattle when you guys all get to come back to church um, as in my third set of twins, uh, grandbabies is being born. But um, I'm looking forward to being back with all of you soon. Love you and God bless you. We trust that you were blessed. For more information regarding our church, please go to our website at www.resurrectionchurchofny.com or call 718-436-0242, extension 0.